guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for, it's not technically a new episode, this is a side episode, because there's not a hell of a lot to talk about for, for Berserk, honestly, and that's very unfortunate. I feel like we're kind of at a low place uh, as fans, we have been for a while, given the extended breaks, the activity in Duranki, but no activity in for Berserk, and no news for Berserk, it's just kind of a dark place right now, so... What I'd like to do is kind of shift the tone a little bit with a random side project I had thought about doing with uh, community member Rombad. Say hello. Hey guys, how's it going? And Rombad, you've been doing something on the forum longer than I had realized until I started looking into it, like kind of a, a video games time traveling kind of project. Um, and I've been fascinated by it. You've been the honestly, you've been one of the most consistent features of the site, whether you know it or not, because it's been going on. I think it's been going on since 2011, or maybe even earlier than that. Um, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I was actually taking a look back at uh, my older posts, and uh, I think it officially kind of started around May, between May and June of 2017, where I really kind of knuckled down with uh with the video games but uh before that yeah i was kind of i was kind of going through one series at a time and exactly. uh, getting a little getting a little burned out with that uh so i think that's when i officially started the uh the now infamous list where is the list can i look at the list because i've been <laughs> i feel like it's really hard to navigate that thread it's the, what we're talking about is the what you've been playing thread or games you've been playing thread that's pretty active on the forum i'm sure you've seen it before but navigating it can be tough because it's just it mm-hmm. moves pretty quickly. So historically, I don't know how to find that list. Is it somewhere publicly, or is it just? Is it? It's yours? just my. It's my own private list. list. I uh, private I list. <laughs> well, I mean, it's personal, uh, or not, you know, personal. I have it on my computer. Okay. But uh, no, I started it. I think uh, in. It's on Word. your personal computer, so it's personal. You can't share it. <laughs> I can absolutely share it. Uh, it's okay. just so long that uh, I don't know that I want to take up a, a thread with it. I actually uh, emailed it to uh, to Griffith a couple uh, a couple months ago because <laughs> he asked me to. That's funny. Uh, but I can I can send it to you. I can send it to whoever wants it. Uh, I can post it. Uh, it's in Excel now, so I can you know easily sort it by uh, by date and and title if I need Excel to. Excel is good at that. It it's excels great. at that. It does excel at that. Um, uh, I actually to, like Excel a lot better than Word. So. To orient people what we're talking about, if you haven't picked it up already, Rombat has been playing older games. And I mean older, I'm talking like, I'll, I'll let him answer this, but it seems to me that he's targeting kind of like what are regarded as classic games of the genre throughout time. And what's unique about this and why I want to have a whole podcast on this is that everybody plays old games from time to time. But like he's doing it in this methodical, kind of like historically... Uh, relative way, uh, relevant way that is fascinating to me. And I don't see that happening elsewhere on the internet, at least in this way. It's like a real project. And while he is very diligent in posting in the forum about what he's playing and uh, brief impressions, like he'll say, I liked it. I've always wanted to know more because (laughs) even if you aren't necessarily a writer, I don't know that you are or not. I feel like you have a, you're at a unique point or you're, you have a unique perspective on these things that I want to capture on this podcast because you're doing something that I find fascinating and I want to learn from what experiences you've had in it. So that's what this whole podcast is about. So I have a bunch of questions. I'm just going to toss them at you. Sounds Feel good. free to answer them as casually as you want. I want to start with what is your background with games? Like when did you start playing? 
Um, and what was your what was your starting console? That helps orient me a little bit, I think. Sure. Well, I started. I was born in 1984, so we got um, our uh, first uh, video game system, which was the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say in like 1987 or 88, when it, you know, around yeah. the time, shortly that's after. That's when I got out. mine. Perfect. Yeah, so the first video game I ever played was Super Mario Brothers. We're on the same uh, we're on the same exact floor at this point. Exactly, and that's uh, that's kind of when I when uh, I uh, well I should say that's when I started, and uh, then over time, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I just kind of played them casually. You know, we'd we'd rent them from uh, you know the the local video store, or I'd borrow them from friends. I think I I borrowed a copy of Super Mario Brothers two from my next door neighbor when I was a kid. Uh, tried to get into Legend of Zelda when I was, you know, five or six. It it's was tough. something I, oh, I couldn't get my head around it. I thought it was terrible. I, I played Dragon Warrior uh, probably when I was seven or eight and I think died on the first slime, which is, I look back at that now and go, how did that even happen? Uh, that is, I mean, <laughs> maybe I you couldn't read you the can. word fight. Maybe you couldn't yeah, read the word right? fight or attack or whatever it was. Yeah, you should be able to kill in one hit. So uh, uh, I don't know what my problem was there, but. Uh, you know, that's how I started off. And then I think as I got older, uh, the next system we got was the Genesis, uh, which was, you know, a pretty big leap. My next door neighbor had the, the Super Nintendo. Uh, so I think I got the Genesis kind of to, uh, to you know, back when during the console wars, it was kind of fun to have the... Uh, well, the, you probably got your Genesis along with the pack-in Sonic, I'm assuming. That's probably what pushed uh, your clip, no? I don't think it was. I don't think it came with the Sonic. I think okay. it was, uh, we got Before the that. second generation Genesis. Oh, yeah, second, got, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the side tiny the, one. Where the Sega CD would have gone on the side instead of the bottom. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I think we, uh, the first game we got was Aladdin. Uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, it was Aladdin. And uh, that was that was kind of a leap up. Not, in retrospect, the greatest game in the world, but uh, but I have good memories with it. And, uh, and then I just kind of casually played, uh, you know, games when I was a kid. Uh, didn't really seriously get into them probably until I was in uh, junior high or high school where uh, I played Final Fantasy VII for the first time. And mm-hmm. uh, that kind of was a game changer in terms of me like being sort of addicted to video games after that. Got it. Uh, but uh, yeah, then once I got into college, it kind of fell off. Uh, obviously, Naturally. Because, yeah, college took the hell my has attention. Time. Yeah, exactly. I know World of Warcraft came out and I had, I had buddies playing that. I'm like, I cannot even touch that game until I graduate. Like I will... It'll it'll cause me to drop out of school. I will play it so much, so I I didn't yeah. even touch it, and uh, and then I just kind of fell off along the ways until uh, I started doing this list again, and then I kind of got really back into it. That's really cool. Uh, related to that, your background, like I don't know about you, but for me, when I saw Mario Brothers, the original Super Mario Brothers, I should say, it was like a light bulb moment for me. I was, oh yeah, I had seen Atari. I I actually had a Commodore sixty four in our house. My dad got oh, it. Nice. He's, programmer so he was trying to get me into that early i didn't take to it um but <laughs> i'd i'd been exposed to video games before but like seeing the constant scrolling and the, the personality and the music of super mario brothers it really was like it sounds crazy but it was a life-changing moment for me in terms of like entertainment and what is possible in entertainment so i was oh. utterly captivated as a little six or seven year old or however old i was um and I would talk to other kids on the playground about games, but like the passion that I had for it did not seem to be like, you didn't see that replicated very often, very Mm -hmm. few, very, very rarely would you come across someone like really got it. Like, this is fucking amazing. You know? Yeah. I, my, I had a best friend uh, at the time who uh, was really into video games. uh, So I had at least one person I could kind of talk to about it. And I still remember, 
uh, when the uh, the Super NES was going to be coming out. He had it circled on his uh, calendar. His Hell birthday. yeah, this guy, uh, me and him, me and him are buds. Oh yeah, it was great. I remember he got it, and we played Super Mario uh, World for I mean probably 24 hours straight. That's uh, it was a, still so a fucking good. amazing game. It's a great game. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, it's one of the best ever. Uh, I mean, just the music takes me right back to it. I love oh, yeah. the uh, the echoes in the uh, the cave levels. I mean, it's all the you know, sound effects in that game when you put the uh, key in the keyhole and it goes all that. It's hard. It's hard to explain to people who weren't there at the time just how just the transition from 8-bit to 16-bit was such a game changer and was, you know, mind-boggling for, yeah. for kids at that time. Yeah. I, I, this is not a history of Walter's video games, but yeah, Mario, all the Mario games <laughs> were big oh, for me. Transitional yeah. for me. Anyway. Oh, Mario 64 was, was like that as well. I, mean, oh I remember God. the first commercial. I was like, oh my God. Like, well, I know what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I got the N64 day one. And yep. um, I remember I was in high school at the time. I was a freshman. And I was like counting down the hours for that to come out the day that I was going to go get it. I was like, is, is school fucking out yet? Is school fucking out yet? And like, right. I know I was the rest, got the ticket. Oh, the best. Yeah. The first time I played it, I, I, I think I got a headache. I, I sitting in front of, you know, our old CRT television uh, for, you know, probably seven or eight hours straight uh, on. Uh, I think we got it on Christmas and uh, I, I just played it so long that I literally could barely even sit up anymore by the time <laughs> I was done. So <laughs> I can't do too long play sessions. I don't think I have the the chemistry for it. I don't, I don't have an addictive personality. I, I can't do the same activity for very long, like at three mm -hmm. or four hours is the, is the most I'll do unless it's like an RPG and I'm addicted to the story or something. But yeah, most of the time I'm like, all right, I need to go stretch or something. But yeah, I, I feel you on the, the passion for it. But I've been this is this is getting way astray, but that's that you know right. now we're oriented. Now we know the orbit that you were in in terms of video games. You sure. you liked it as a kid, kind of fell away, but the recent list has kind of recaptivated your attention for video games. What I want to ask you is, um, everybody's got a backlog these days because of Steam and sure. because of all the sales. I mean, it actually started with Steam, but nowadays Sony has a huge sale all the time on PS4 store. Um, Microsoft now has the Xbox Game Pass, which is constantly mm -hmm. giving people free games for their basically pennies for a day service. So everyone has a huge amount of options to how to how they're going to spend their time playing. How is it that you have not only uh, I'm assuming accumulated your own modern day backlog, but you're opening the backlog of the past, like the backlog <laughs> of the ancient your days of the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, like. How do you have time for it, and why is it a priority for you to play older games instead of modern games? Or are you also playing modern games? Sure. I'm not playing modern games, uh, which has been tough. Uh, when Dragon Quest XI came out, I was uh, dying. Mm -hmm. um, now I feel a little bit better about it. Some time has passed, but uh, I, that's one that I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing one day. Um, but uh, no, I, uh, uh, so I, I, you know, as a working adult, I don't have a ton of time for video games, you know, I, uh, I also uh, love my wife and love spending time with her. So, uh, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not playing all day long. Like I, uh, like I used to when I was uh, a bachelor and just had to work, you know, a, a nine to five shift during the week, you know, I could spend a lot of my evenings playing video games. Um, but, uh, no, these days I typically, uh, I get up pretty early uh, for work. And so I try to have a consistent sleep schedule for that. So on Saturday and Sunday, I typically tend to get up at the same time I would get up for work. So I have a couple hours to kind of play uh, games in the morning once I've had a, a cup of coffee or two. 
And uh, that's where I get most of my playing in, uh, unless, of course, I'm, I'm playing a game on the 3DS or uh, my PS Vita, uh, which I can take on the bus to work or, uh, or play, you know, for 10 minutes here and there at work when I'm on my breaks. Uh, that's about the, the time that I kind of get my playing in, um, unless, of course, my wife is, uh, is traveling or, uh, or, you know, uh, out of town for a couple of days. Sometimes she goes uh, to see some of her, uh, her family, and if I yeah. can't get off work, I, uh, you know, I have a couple of days to myself to kind of play. But, but that's about all the time I have these days. Uh, so when I get into an RPG, uh, it, it takes a little bit longer uh, to, uh, to get through it than some of these, uh, these platformers. But uh, as for the reason why I kind of started going back to these older games, um, I think it was around when I was playing Dragon Quest VI, I was getting really burned out. Ugh, VI uh, sucks. It's not my favorite. It's I mean, terrible. Technically, technically it's, it's got some neat little innovations here yeah, and there. Yeah, it's got a time-traveling thing, right? Yeah, the idea behind Yeah, exactly. The idea behind it is I can see why... Uh, you can see a natural progression, especially in the Dragon Quest games, from one game to the next where they're trying to do new things while still keeping the, the feel of the series. But of course, yeah. after five, that's a hard act to follow. Um, uh, and uh, so I was just getting burned out and I just, I was worried that like, if I, whatever series I get into next, I'm just going to get burned out on it. So um, it actually, it all kind of started when, um, uh, because of this whole Netflix, Hulu, Amazon prime thing, when you have, you know, all these selections for movies, mm-hmm. my wife and I were just sitting there going like, well, what do we even want to watch anymore? Like, I, you know, there's yeah. so many things on here. Totally. So, so we started, uh, we found this uh, a book uh, and, and this website that tracks it of, you know, the thousand and one movies you must see before you die. So sure. we put this huge list together of movies so that we can, you know, uh, we can actually pick from it. We've started kind of going in chronological order, starting with, you know, a trip to the moon. Uh, the Great Train Robbery. That doesn't take very second. long. Those are like 20 no. seconds each or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think A Trip to the Moon is like 13 minutes. Uh, okay. It's great, but it's really short. Um, but, uh, you know, and then we kind of started enjoying that because it was showing us the history of film Got it. and just stuff like that. So that's kind of what led me into doing it for video games. And I'm just a very structured person. I, if I have too many choices, I don't know what to pick. Yep. And I figured, you know, I might as well just play all the video games I never got a chance to play. And since I don't know where to start, I'll just start at the beginning and just kind of go go through them that way. And there's did been you start with Pong? I did not start with Pong. Actually, okay. I, I decided to uh, to not go that far back. Um, I, mean, I was considering like Zork and some oh, of the you know, Zork some is these, great. I've heard it's great. I, I'm actually going to play it one day. But, it's tough uh, though. It's, it'd be tough. I don't know. I find it really imaginative uh, because you yeah, have yeah. visuals. Um, but it's I think it's really cool. I, I don't know how fun it'd be now. I, I played it when I was 15 or so. I think. Yeah, I, it it looks fun to me. I mean, I'm I'm okay with text based. I mean, with, you know, you and I are roughly the same age. We uh, we're far back enough on the technical spectrum that that stuff kind of seems cool to us. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. I, I I wanted to do one for a while. I wanted to do a berserk text based adventure. Actually, got relatively far into it with ASCII art and everything, but it's oh, just oh that would be fun, man. I never I, found I would the play right, that. I never found the right backbone software to create it without learning how to program. I'm not gonna do oh. that. Yeah, no, I, I I hear you. I I took two programming classes in college and decided it was it was not nope, for me. Not for me. I cannot wrap my head around that that advanced algorithmic logic. So <laughs> let me ask. Whenever I asked how you're doing this, I guess I, I you sure. took it literally, and that's still a relevant way to answer the question. But I guess I mean, let me be more specific when I say how are you doing this. Um, like there how are, am I actually playing these older games? You got it. How there's a lot of platforms you touch on, a lot of games mm-hmm. that you see. Like, are you spending like a lot of time in DOSBox, are you having to use an emulator? I know sometimes you get the actual cart. So like, what's, do you have a, a unified method or what's, what do you do? 
So what I basically do is before I play each game, I kind of read the Wikipedia article on it just to sort of get a little bit of background. Uh, I find that kind of uh, helps me enjoy the game a little bit more. And then that also helps me see, you know, what is it out on right now? What's the best version of it? Um, because uh, a lot of these, you know, games, it's with, especially with modern technology and modern TVs, if it's not available on like a PlayStation store or uh, it's not something, if the disc is prohibitively expensive, uh, like some of the older PlayStation games and PC mm. games can be, uh, I mean, I think like Earthbound to get the original cart is, Fuck, yeah, yeah. Like, is insane. Yeah, yeah, it's not worth it, you know, so you get the SNES Mini, which is, you know, comparatively a lot cheaper, and of course it has a ton of other great games on it, so I've just been kind of going through and just finding the best avenue for each of them. I think I've only played a couple games on Emulator, because I, I prefer to purchase it, I don't want to, um, I mean, the, the only time I would probably use an Emulator, I think the only, the only two times I've really played a whole game through were for the Panzer Dragoon games, because it's just, it's difficult to get them to work really well on modern televisions, yeah, so the Saturn of, technology was not it's not easy to emulate because it has three different processors. Oh yeah, and even the emulators that exist right now that are the best are are you know yeah. choppy in places. Um, but uh, typically I like to purchase stuff, so I've I've still got my old PS2, my old PS3, and my and a PS4, so I can okay. find most of the the Sony games on those. And my 3DS, you know, it has the uh, the 3DS store on it, so I can get a lot of the old NES and SNES games. Um, so that's how I've gotten most of them. Uh, the, the Sonic games are also available through the 3DS store, which is nice, or which was nice at the time. Um, so yeah, I've been trying just to do the most modern legal way I can do it. Uh, and then on some of them, like I think Trials of Mana, uh, you know, I got to wait till I get a Switch or uh, it comes out on uh, Steam, I think in the first quarter of 2020 uh, to, to play, you know, a game like that. So just just basically taking the most modern legal avenues to uh, to get these games. It's required some some different consoles. So my my wife has got me a couple of them for Christmas <laughs> mm, cool. over the last couple of years. But yeah, that's how I've been doing it. Let me ask this. Um, th- this all deals with the logistics, and now we're in the meat of it. And that is, how do you actually tolerate <laughs> the the way the, evol- the the way games have evolved? Uh, they've evolved at such a pace that it often makes it difficult to go back to. Because design sensibilities change over time. So sure. what made sense in 1984 makes no sense in 1994, and it certainly doesn't make sense in 2014, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll, sometimes I will revisit old games out of, you know, kind of like a, a sense of sentimentality. I would, oh, I loved that game as a kid. I would love to jump in and try to play Maniac Mansion on NES now. Oh, boy, <laughs> this is only six colors or some shit like yeah. that, you know. Like, how do you get over that hurdle? The, the the sense that, oh, boy, this is a little painful to play. It hasn't seemed to have affected you at all. So I wondered how you got over that stuff. No, I, I for the most part, I enjoy that stuff. I, I'm uh, a big guy on nostalgia anyways. I uh, That stuff never really bothered me. I think it helps that I grew up with it. Um, I imagine it's probably more difficult for people who were born in the late 90s um, to go back and play some of those games in the 80s. But it never, it never really bothered me too much. I think the only time... I've ever actually just could not get through a game is unfortunately, and I, I've heard it's a great game, is Super Mario RPG because the visuals oh, are yeah. just so so <laughs> ugly and hard to look at. It's now. pretty ugly. I agree. I mean, it, yeah, it literally hurts my eyes to play that game. And I even tried. I'm like, okay, I have it on the SNES Classic. Yeah. I'm gonna try emulating it. Maybe it looks better on the PC, and it does not. Nope. Uh, it looks just as bad. So, but for the most part, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, mechanics wise. Um, it's, uh, thankfully the 3DS has a place where you can kind of pause 
those old games and then come back to them later. Yeah. Um, Built-in save states. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got the save states in it as well. But the, the classic but, has that too. That SNES classic has the same feature. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is really helpful on those games. Like uh, I think Super Mario Brothers three, uh, that game would be very difficult to play today unless you use the flutes to travel just because you got to do it all in one sitting. Yeah. And who has the time? Yeah. yeah. I, I do recall leaving my NES running you know, yep. for several nights just trying to get through that game, for sure. Exactly. So uh, for that type of stuff, um, you know, thankfully the more modern ways to play them enables you to sort of pause it and come back to it later. Uh, but, uh, yeah, those early games, um, it, it was – it's interesting. To, you know, the little I I'm, – I'm certainly no expert on the, the industry or the history of video games, but the, the little that I do know about it, you know, a lot of that was caused by, you know, rental markets and stuff at the mm-hmm. time that the Japanese – developers were making the the american versions tougher because they didn't want you to rent it and and beat it in a weekend um so that stuff did not hold up as well on my on my playthroughs especially you know when they increased the difficulties of some of the american versions of the game like uh, castlevania 3 i don't know how anybody has ever beaten the american version of that game i tried really really hard to get Mm -hmm. past the the final level i just couldn't do it so those aspects where sort of artificially cranking up the difficulty or eliminating uh, password systems that may exist on the Japanese side, but now suddenly don't exist on the American side. That stuff has not held up well at all and was yeah. a challenge to get through. And I'm relieved that I got through through a lot of it. Um, some of that as, just, some of that has to do with the way, I think it's two things that are happening with that. With an example being like Ninja Gaiden 1, Sure. Uh, for those that don't know, in the final area of the game, you can play through it really well. You get to the last boss, which has three forms, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Yep. And if you die on any of those three forms, by the way, there's no health pickups during that section. If you die, nope. <laughs> you go back to the very beginning of the act, which is like yep. two full stages to get to the boss, which has three forms. Now, something like that, I don't, I don't, I don't say, think, think that was like an intentional design thing. They probably just didn't play test it or like quality assurance test it. They were just like, yeah, yeah, here it is, fine, it's fucking, it's ready, buy it. They didn't really care about the player experience. Whereas that's something that's been honed to like a pristine quality these sure. days. You know, over the past decade and a half, actually, the past two generations of consoles, that's been a huge like thing that has changed in games. I think, um, I would say Dark Souls is the outlier for that because that embraces the challenge aspect of older games, whereas mm-hmm. the challenge is why you're playing it. Whereas recently it's been more about just like getting people to finish the game, getting people to finish the sure. game in the past. It was how long can we keep people playing this game? And sometimes mm-hmm. they would ramp up the difficulty to make it seem hard. Um, if you look back at older reports of video games, like uh, magazine reviews and even like newspaper reviews of older games, they will often focus on how hard it is being a like a positive thing. Like you will mm-hmm. never beat this game, and that's like a good thing. Like oh, why is that a good thing? <laughs> but it was actually, because it's a store life, it's a shelf life of a game. It sure. increases from a retail perspective if it has if if you don't beat it in an afternoon, like Strider or Genesis, for example. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, it's funny. Uh, when I first started uh, this uh, this endeavor, I wasn't that big on that kind of challenge, but I think it turned around with Mega Man. I think once I beat the Yellow Devil, which was, I mean, you That's know, tough. one one of the worst and best experiences of my life. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, when I finally did it, I was like, thank God I never ever have to do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, Mega Man but, One. I'm sorry, Mega Man One sucks. 
it, oh, it's 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 got a ton of flaws in it. I, I mean, they, love they, Mega Man. I love I fucking love Mega Man Two is probably like a top five game of all oh, time it's for me. Yeah, Mega Man Three it, similarly awesome. Mega Man One, fuck this, fuck this. What yeah, Mega Man One. I and the only reason, in fact, I I I, I wish you watched it on that for a long time going back. Like you know, I keep, all these sites say don't even touch it. Play Mega Man Two, and I'm like. Yeah, but I want to see how bad it is. <laughs> oh, the level design alone. Like, just don't even ignore everything else. Just the level design of that yeah. game is just terrible. But I have to say, at the end of it, I was like, oh, that, you know, the challenge was kind of interesting. And then, you know, playing Ninja Gaiden, I mean, playing <laughs> and beating Ninja Gaiden was great. Uh, and that's and since then, I've been kind of really, you know, geared up for a challenge. I, 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 I enjoy it that's as cool. long as it's not ridiculous to the point where it's like, OK, this is just designed so I, I can't beat it. You know, yeah. unless I'm super lucky. Which the uh, ending felt like to me. The ending felt like it was designed to be obtrusively difficult to, to be. Oh, sure. The, the one saving grace with Ninja Gaiden is that at least if you killed one of the, the three final forms of the boss, uh, it stayed dead. So as long That's as you true. could get through the act again, you could then face the next form of the boss. But yeah, no, that that uh, took me a couple days to even clear that last act. Oof. So uh, And that was just playing it almost straight every day when I came home, so um play sessions so you touched sure. on that a little bit but just to touch it directly how long do you usually play and do you are you okay with longer play sessions as you become an adult and the reason i ask is because myself uh ever since i've had kids i've been in this brain state of <laughs> whatever it is i'm playing i need to be able to like bail at any moment because i'll hear a kid crying or a kid needs some sure. help so i can't mentally get invested in even when the kids are asleep, my brain is at a state where I'm cautious and alert all the time. So I just can't get into anything deep. The outlier for that for me has been Breath of the Wild, which has always been amazing to me and I have no problem diving deep in it. But for you, I'm assuming you don't have kids. I don't have kids. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we're, and we're not planning on it. So, uh, okay. so I have a little more free time. <laughs> right. So but you're, you're cool with longer play sessions that hasn't changed as you've gotten older. No, not really. I mean, like, like you said earlier, as I've gotten older, I've kind of started into the stage of where I can maybe go two, three hours on any one thing before I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. So I'll, you know, I'll play for a couple hours and then uh, I'll move on to something else. Uh, maybe, you know, reading a book or watching TV or, you know, going for a walk or something, you know, I, I, I can probably get a couple hours in uh, and then feel a little burned out at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we've naturally evolved to like, one of my big questions for you, um, you've played, tell me the range of the games you've played before I lay this one on you. Tell me the earliest game you've played from on your, on your list that you finished. Uh, well, it still probably would be Super Mario Brothers. The first game I actually started with, I mean, I, basically I wanted to go back to the first game I ever played and then go from there. So the mm-hmm. earliest game on this project I probably played was Legend of Zelda. Okay. And what's the more, one of the more recent ones? It doesn't have to be the most recent, but one of the more recent ones that you've played. One of the more recent. Uh, well, right now I'm on Tomb Raider 2. Oh, that's pretty recent in, in terms yeah. of the, the full scope of things. So let me ask you this. What has been lost over time from when games were – certainly games have improved in certain aspects. I mean, let's not even talk about graphics. That's like a, you know obvious sure. things have improved. Well, have they? Design-wise, not necessarily. But in terms mm-hmm. of like photorealism, obviously – technology's evolution has enhanced that a lot but in terms of the design the actual play experience what do you think old games did well that has been lost over time due to how people play games due to design sensibilities changing over decades what's some what are some things you think have have changed over time that you feel have been like a detriment 
Ooh, that's a tough one, the detriment. Um, it's so funny because it's, it's a little bit easier to talk about the positive changes. Uh, but as to the detriment, um, I think uh, some of the challenge has gone out. I think, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, changing games from, from an experience and a challenge to something you can just get through. Um, you know, the older games had that. I mean, the, the whole idea of a, of, a, of a Dragon Quest back in the day was that, you know, a salary man who's been working, you know, 10-hour days, 12-hour days, you know, in Japan can just come home and play a little bit of Dragon Quest for a while and eventually just get through it. And it's not something he has to really, you know, stress out about. Mm-hmm. Um, these days, uh, it's a little bit different. You know, we want you to finish the game. And we, you know, we, we, it's actually a detriment if you don't finish the game um because it's too it's too difficult or you might give up trying so i think that has kind of been lost uh I, you know from what i've heard i've played a little bit of demon souls and loved it um i've heard the dark you know the dark souls games are kind of notorious for bringing back that level of challenge so i i think like any sort of evolution in in uh, a medium you know for a while it got really hard and people got discouraged and then uh, at least this is my perspective on it and then you know, it got uh, a little too easy because it's, you know, we want you to finish these games yeah. uh, eventually. So now I'm hoping that we're seeing a little bit of the the path back to sort of a middle ground where, you know, the game isn't impossible to finish, but it is going to be a little bit difficult. Um, and not every game needs to be that way, but I think a lot of games should be very difficult to finish so that when you finish it, it actually feels like you accomplished something and and mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, worthwhile. So I think that's been lost a little bit, but it seems like that's coming back in certain genres. And certainly the Dark Souls games, Bloodborne, um, you know, Sekiro have have this reputation of kind of bringing that older school mentality back into into the into the uh, the medium. I think I think FromSoft is the des- developers of the yeah. Souls games and Sekiro. I feel like they kind of they kind of backed into this. Like they 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 took what had. They, they were kind of riding the crest of a wave. Like they were the first into this whole challenge thing. Of, for not mm-hmm. first, and first in a while to to yeah. break the trend of it. But I feel like they did it by accident. Like they've just been making the same game since like um, uh, Kings Kingsfield, mm-hmm. where it's like absurdly difficult to get into and really cryptic. Or the world itself is cryptic. It's told through item descriptions that you kind of have to mentally put together in your head. And they just kept making that game, and suddenly it became like a refined <laughs> piece of art that people could actually like recognize as, oh, this is actually something kind of special. Sure. And then it suddenly, once that perspective and people had changed, they realized, oh, Dark Souls is actually pretty fucking great. They were already saying <laughs> the same thing about Demon Souls. Uh, I'll, my side of the answer for that is like, I feel like as games became more complex, they lost something because there's there's two ways for that. One is. Sure. I like using my imagination to a certain extent. So I personally like, for example, in Final Fantasy VI, the pixel art of the characters, and you see the mm-hmm. characters interacting. That's happening on screen, but in your head, a lot more is happening, and you're kind of your, your mind's fleshing out some of the finer elements of how that might look, Con- similar to how you read a book. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when a movie is doing its adaptation, it's doing all the work for you. It's very little imagination. Sort of similar with pixel art. So when it, when it jumped to Final Fantasy VII. To me, that imaginative part was somewhat lost, even though the blocky characters aren't exactly photorealistic, but you, you kind of sure. get what I'm saying. That's one oh, side, absolutely. the visual side. The other side is the fact that because games became more com- complex and more expensive, they became less risky because you wanted to work with a concept that you didn't necessarily have to iterate on per per uh, volume, per game. So they took less, less chances, and they were usually more complex and less simple, so I think as the games became more bigger and complex, they became less uh, quirky and fun and mm-hmm. 
so that's why I kind of look at something like Mario Brothers, where it's super, super simple, but it's like a purest form of the expression that they were trying to get to uh, from, the, the, from the beginning. So, for example, Super Mario Brothers is all about Mario's jump. Like, they refined the jump itself to be the whole game. And the whole game is basically a vessel for Mario to jump on. It's just mm-hmm. like platforms yep. to jump on, enemies to jump on, and, and jumping them in different ways. Platforms that move. All of it is about how fun is it to jump. Is it fun mm-hmm. to jump? It is. Now here's some stuff to do with that. Games have dramatically changed since. Then. Look at Mario Odyssey where it's like, you can become one of 500 different enemies. Okay, yeah, exactly. that's <laughs> great, but it's a dramatically different take from where you started where the jump itself was the refinement. So anyway, that's that's my answer for how yeah, I think I, the I, jump has changed. I, I definitely hear you. And, you know, I, I, it's funny you mentioned Final Fantasy VI. Uh, you know, I, like I said, the, the game that kind of got me into RPGs was Final Fantasy VII, so I came mm-hmm. to six a little bit later. And I, I agree. I mean, I remember uh, just the little simple movements in, in the polygonal characters you know, you kind of had to use your imagination a little bit. You know, the faces only had eyes. They didn't yep. have expressions. And then once you kind of got into Final Fantasy X and, and 12 and 13, um, I mean, 13 is not a great game to begin with, but uh, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, you do lose something because now you're like, I think the, the example you made of a book going to a movie is, is perfect. I mean, you lose something. They're telling you what's going yeah. on instead of you kind of this is what harry potter sounds like this is what harry potter looks like (laughs) exactly yeah 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 (laughs) um favorites now this is completely subjective and i'm cool with that uh but you've played both final fantasy and dragon quest do you do you (laughs) lean in one direction or the other because i I definitely do i've played the vast majority of both series and i definitely lean one way so i'm curious I, I, as of now, um, based on the ones I've played, I, I haven't played all of the Dragon Quest games. Uh, I haven't played uh, the most recent Final Fantasy uh, 15 um, or, or any of the online ones, but uh, I'd have to say Dragon Quest. Ever mm. since I, I started on Dragon Quest, I, I just, it's a joy. I mean, I don't know what, it, I mean, I love uh, Toriyama's art. I've always been a fan of his stuff um, from the early dra- days of reading Dragon Ball, you know, Dr. Slump. Uh, I, uh, I just, he, he adds an aesthetic to it. I love that it's the same, basically the same team of people, um, that have been, mm-hmm. you know, doing each and every one. So I, I don't know, they, they, they also come out so, so much more infrequently than the Final Fantasy games did in the nineties. Yep. They just, they just feel special in, in a way that the Final Fantasy games don't have that kind of special quality to them. But at the same time, I don't hate Final Fantasy. I love Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. So whenever there's a bad Final Fantasy game that comes out, it is a, it is a bummer. Um, so, uh, now thankfully there haven't been, in my opinion, at least too many of them. They all, they all have their pros and cons, but at, at the moment I do lean a little bit more towards Dragon Quest. Well, um, I don't, although... I don't think it's going to change and Final Fantasy is not going <laughs> to somehow redeem itself. I mean, just based on the past three or four games they've made, it's just, I see what train they're on. They're on the yeah. multiple I... belts and hairstyles train. I agree, and I, I think I think it eventually will if it if it, if the you know the series survives, which hopefully hopefully it will. I, I'm hoping one day it'll go back to a little bit more what it was. I think the creative team has to change a bit. I think Tetsuya uh, Tetsuya Nomura needs to fuck has, off. Yeah, he's not been a great addition. I mean, look, you know, his I I, I as much as I love uh, or I love um, uh, his Episode. name escapes me at the moment. Uh, the uh, guy Yoshitaka did, Amano. Yes, thank you. Uh, Amano's artwork, I, I love it. It's great. Mm-hmm. He's one of the most original uh, artists out there, I think. Um, I didn't mind uh, Tetsuya's um, art for Final Fantasy VII, but I think that's kind of where he should have stayed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, although, like you said, his character designs uh, leave you wanting a bit sometimes. But uh, it's just yeah. like the thing is like Yoshitaka Amano, he he visualized fantasy worlds. He whereas did. Yoshitaka, yeah. I'm sorry, whereas um, uh, what's uh, the Tetsuya Nomura? Thank you. Nomura yeah. just looks at a goddamn fashion magazine in Japan and said that, but it's in my fantasy game. So yeah, it just takes exactly. existing fantasy fashions, or sorry, existing model fashions, which I don't give a shit about, and yeah, hairstyle yeah, fashions. Yeah. Similarly, I don't give a shit about it, and crams it into a relatively popular, uh, you know, science fiction fantasy series. It doesn't make any sense to me that that is a, a working equation. Whereas Amano, like as I said, captured the essence of like old old school sci-fi or mm-hmm. fantasy art in a, in a really captivating way. Yeah, I mean, his his cover art for Final Fantasy VI is one of my favorite pieces ever. I mean, I, oh, I yeah. just absolutely love it. Terra in the uh, the Magitek armor is mm-hmm. is a classic. Um, so I think, you know, I'm hoping Final Fantasy can kind of right the ship a little bit one day. Um, I heard 15 was better than 13, but still not anywhere near what the uh, the original kind of uh, games were, especially in the 90s with uh, with 4 and, and 6. So, yep. uh, yeah. I... I, um, I... I, I like aspects of Dragon Quest. My problem with it is it, it, it feels very one note. It hits its one note really well. It's similar to sure. Mario's jump. It nails that jump. That jump is fucking great. But with Dragon Quest, it's like somewhere in the middle of each game, I'm like, oh boy, we're still doing this, huh? Yeah. It's just the same, basically the same formula still? Okay, all right. I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I love that formula. I think it's, I think it's, uh, it could be viewed as both its greatest weakness and its greatest strength. Um, is that they, hey, you know, it's kind of like an ACDC album. When you put it in, it's going to sound like ACDC. Yep, absolutely. And it's not going to sound any different. So unless you don't, if you don't like ACDC, you're not going to like this new album. Yeah. So uh, I, in that way, it, it uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, I, I still like that. Um, I don't know if that'll change in the future, but uh, the good news is they don't come out with the Dragon Quest game very often. So uh, at least there's space in between the uh, the same one note. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like they have pretty well evolved over time, um, I, I, less so in the past decade. I feel like once mm-hmm. they glommed onto Dragon Quest VIII, they've pretty much been iterating on that ever since. Uh, sure, sure. And mostly in the art style, I guess is what I'm referring to. Eleven mm-hmm. feels like a fully realized uh, version of Eight in terms of like what the visuals were going for with Eight. Eleven really captures that pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, now Mario, though, this is a bigger Ooh, one. SMB Three or Mario World. <laughs> This is simple for me. I didn't even know this was a debate until, like, you know, I don't know, got on the internet, I guess. And I was just oh, like, I, naturally, Mario World is an is a, an improvement on Super Mario Bros. 3, personally. But Yeah, it's a, yeah, it, actually, until this moment, I didn't realize it was that wide range oh, of yeah. debate either. It's, uh, it strikes people in half, cuts them I, right I, in half. Oh, that's so funny. I, yeah. I like both games for, for various reasons. If I, if I absolutely, if a gun was to my head and I absolutely had to pick a favorite one, I'd, I'd still have to go Super Mario World. I love Super Mario Brothers 3, um, but I think Super Mario World, um, well, unfortunately, it lost some of the uh, the costume changes and, uh, right. you know, there's, there's just the cape and, and Yoshi. Those things are also really great, but uh, it was a transformative experience playing that game for the first time. And even going back recently and playing it, like, I, I love that game. I play... You know? I touch on Mario World probably once a year. I don't usually play it all the way through. I think I'm all the way through maybe three or four times. But mm-hmm. like, I will play it at least once per year, just to just first couple levels, maybe the first island. Yeah, it's wonderful. It. It's it's uh, uh it's beautifully designed. It's uh the sound, the visuals, the gameplay. It's it's darn near as perfect as a game can get. I think. 
What about the 3D game ones? I'm assuming you've played. You already played 64. What do you I think about? 64. I Galaxy? have not played. Oh, I've never played Galaxy. It's oh. on the list. <laughs> Galaxy's Galaxy's good. Um, I can't wait. I, I'm excited. I've seen some some video of it and read reviews, and uh, yeah, it's definitely one that I'm. I'm like, oh man, I'm just I'm gonna get there soon. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't ask this earlier, but like, sure. what stops you from playing? Like, for example, Breath of the Wild, which is easily one of the best Zelda games, which is know, saying I'm a so lot excited. since they're all pretty incredible. <laughs> uh, what stops you from just dropping it and just jumping into it? Uh, well, honestly, the most probably literal answer is uh, just uh, the the natural structure that I, I follow in my life with. Uh, so I I have OCD, uh, mm-hmm. like not just you know figuratively speaking. I, I was diagnosed with it when I was 12 or 13, and uh, while there's a lot of things uh, that come with that that are really painful uh, that I have to deal with on a daily basis, uh, but you know I'm I'm doing okay. I don't want anybody to, to worry about me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing fine. Um, what also comes with that is just the joy of structure. Uh, I, I love it. It's the one good thing about it. And what stops me is just knowing that I'll get to them eventually and that, uh, I'm just kind of enjoying the ride. I, I really, and one of the, the neat things about this is that I get to experience these, uh, you know, in, in order, in a sense that I can see, uh, how games have evolved, uh, from, from one game to the next and also within it, uh, its own series. So, uh, that also, that's a, that's a fun aspect to me. So I, I don't want to play the newest Zelda game until I've played the ones before that. Cause then I can look back and go, Oh, I see what they did here and improve upon here and where mm-hmm. they maybe slip back. It just gives me a perspective that I think brings more joy to the experience. I don't know that I'll stick to that cause it's mm-hmm. getting really difficult, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, breath of the wild, uh, that was, that was rough when that came out. I was, I was really chomping at the bit for that one. So, uh, yeah. Step one is still getting a switch, but uh, yeah, no, it's more just the structure of things and, and enjoying the uh, the experience of following these uh, in the order that they, they actually came out. I get it. Yeah, no, that, there's that's the academic approach to that there's definitely value in it. Uh, from my perspective, I had no intention of buying a switch and I wasn't even interested in Breath of the Wild until it landed and I was seeing <laughs> perfect review scores across the horizon and like from people that were generally very critical of games or just had, you know, down on stuff was giving it, we're giving it perfect scores. And I'm like, fuck it. The next day I bought a switch and bought Zelda and I was immediately in. That's how quickly I can turn. It's just like, if there's something exciting, I'm going to get excited for it. Uh, I like hype, I guess. (laughs) Oh, I I hear you. And it's, it's, you know, that's how I used to be as well. I mean, if if this was me probably before I actually started on this project, I would have been like, all right, well, I know what I'm getting this Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and to me, I mean, breath of the wild, I mean, that, that was definitely, you know, a moment where I was like, Oh God, I, I might need to get a switch. And then when I saw this, you know, the, the video gameplay for Odyssey, I mean, I'm a huge Mario brothers fan. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that, that looks like, I mean, it, I almost felt like it, I did the first time I saw a commercial for Mario 64. I was like, Ooh, that, that looks pretty great. Mm-hmm. So, and, I, and I've heard it is good. I've heard it's not, you know, like a perfect Mario game, but I've heard it's, it's very, very fun. It's, it's good. It's really well designed and it's got a lot of, it's got long legs in it. Like my, my son, who's seven now, Still plays it pretty regularly. Like once a week, oh, and he'll awesome. probably play a little bit of it. And he's always finding new moons that I'd never oh. seen before. So there's there's like there's like I don't know like a thousand different moons to find in the game. It's crazy. Oh, that's great. I, I really enjoyed your your posting about your your son playing that for the first time. I was like, oh, that that put a big smile on my face. I I, I know that feeling. So yeah, he <laughs> he. I have not I have not really pushed him in any direction, but he does gravitate to Nintendo games. He fucking loves them. He's always talking about them. Um, yeah, he loves. I, even the older games, you can at least see why they are good. <laughs> Although I was a little disheartened when um, I've been playing Breath of the Wild again recently, 
um, the past couple of weekends, and I showed him Link to the Past, and he was just like, "Oh, is this how they used to look?" And I was like, "This is one. Of the, <laughs> this is one of the better looking old ones, you know." Oh this looks, man, that I think sucks. Link to the Past still looks fantastic. Um, it looks great. Legend of Zelda, yeah, I can see how you might think it's kind sure. of representationally well, weird. That's that's supposed to be a boulder. What is yeah, that exactly? exactly. It's a little bland at. looking, especially if you didn't grow up with it. But uh, yeah, I know it's it's so funny. I uh, my wife and I laugh about this a lot. She wanted to get into uh, in some of the RPGs I've been playing. I'm like, well, we'll we should start with Final Fantasy VII. And mm-hmm. I showed her the uh, the intro to it. Uh, you know, where Cloud hops oh, off sure. the train. Make a and, react. Uh, oh God, she, I, I I turned around. I'm like, what do you think? She's like. I don't know what's happening. I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? She's like, I can't tell what's going on. I'm like, what? Oh, oh. she's is like, the, yeah, the is graphics it the fact are just too. What, com- sorry, go ahead. The polygonal characters, like cloud looking it, like a paper mache monster. Exactly. So I was okay. like, oh, I'm like, oh, that's boy. Now, now I do feel old. <laughs> oh, that's just so funny because our, our, yeah, I mean, needless to say, the opening Mako reactor scene was like a another huge moment for me in terms of, like I said earlier, what games could do. Um, so yeah, that's pretty oh, funny. Oh, me too. I mean, the first time I saw it, I think it was my buddy brought over a Tobol number yeah, one or whatever it was. Yeah, had the demo it. Had the demo, yeah. And, uh, I was like, uh, you know, and I was, I had the N64, he had the PlayStation. I was like, I may have made the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to, I eventually got them both. Yeah. I, I yeah, imported yeah, a PS1. Uh, I, I bought, I bought a PS1 and modded it so that I could import FF7 about a year before oh, it came out to the that's States. That's dedication, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know a guy who did that with Symphony of the Night. Uh, he was like, he was like, I can't even wait for the American release. I'm getting that game right now. I was like, well, okay, that at okay. least <laughs> makes more sense than what I did, because I couldn't read a lick of Japanese, and in trying to play through FF7 without any, that's true, any yeah. translation, um, kind of nonsensical. <laughs> yeah, little little different than playing uh, Symphony. Not, not, yes. a lot, not a ton of dialogue in that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, last question I have is sure. kind of out of uh, pace of the other questions, but that is you've touched on genres that died out over time, or at least have deadened to a degree. Mm-hmm. For example, like Space Sims, you did Wing Commander and some RTS games. I don't know if you actually touched on RTS or not. Those were each in their own era mm-hmm. were the pinnacle sure. of what the PC could do. You know, when Wing Commander was popular, like there was no bigger PC game. Like absolutely, sure. that was the landmark blockbuster genre to to beat at the time similarly rts in the heyday of warcraft 2 and starcraft those were by far other than like you know what what it was doing with quake and doom those were blockbuster games and now nobody's playing those basically yeah so what do you think happened with that um what's your perspective on some of those older genres that don't really have any legs anymore i think uh, unfortunately the 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 complications surrounding them probably or i shouldn't say complications they were very very i think tough for the average gamer to wrap their brain around i mean i i certainly know that i eventually dropped out of rts is just because i was like i i don't know that i have the mind for this yeah same. <laughs> um i mean I, I i remember playing you know uh people on uh i think it was it was it blizzard site was it Battle.net? was that the, mm-hmm. the old, still around. Yeah. oh is this oh that's so funny yeah. um uh i remember playing the original starcraft against people you know once i once i beat the game and and eventually lost interest in uh, in brood war because it was too insanely difficult uh for me anyway uh i started playing online and i just get annihilated you know zerg swarmed every time yeah. uh but i i mean i enjoyed playing starcraft uh warcraft 2 was great um uh those those early space sims were were pretty fun especially as a kid um but i i think eventually it just got a little too stale i think they 
they uh, my guess would be they just they focus more on the strategy of it and not you know kind of the fun aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I really can't say for sure. I don't know. I, I kind of dropped out around the time that they started. I think going going south and eventually fading away. You know, I've never played them, but I know the XCOM games were very popular back in the day. Yeah, that's um, true. The original XCOM is still fantastic. Um, I've I've heard. I, I and I I might eventually get into it. I just I don't know. I don't feel the same tug of RTSs. They're kind of one of the few games I've just not not been interested in playing uh, sure. this playthrough. And and a ton of them are you know are on you know some of the top ten lists. XCOM is definitely one of them. I've seen a lot a lot of places. XCOM is it's hard for me to call that an art. I feel like that's more of a, just a tactical game. Period. Ah, um, uh, tactical, yeah. Where it's a real time strategy game is just strictly like Warcraft style or Starcraft style overhead. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say, though, was for, for Space Sims, one of the uh, difficulties to get into that is you had to have a good setup. You had to have mm-hmm. a joystick, a good joystick, and you had to have your, your key setups in a way that you could actually play it and quickly you know, execute all the different commands that it wants you to do to roll sure. with. And what's the pitch in the yaw on this one? Energy um, transfers, shields, 100%. Apps, so engines. You played, yeah. you played TIE Fighter? I haven't. I'm going to go back and play. Okay. Um, I've heard it's the best of the bunch. I was going to say, that uh, is the one to Star play. In terms, in terms of like historically revisiting that genre, I feel like TIE Fighter, it, it, I don't know if it's the best, but it's a pretty memorable you know way to do that genre. Sure, sure. I, I guess when I say best, it's, it's the one I frequently see most in like top 10 lists. You oh, know, you 100%. See, that's great. You know, Wing Commander is great, but then like, uh, uh, you know, TIE Fighter, I mean, I, you know, you look at IGN or some of these other uh, online video game sites and that's, that's, I mean, you can tell people have a, have a soft spot for that one. Yeah. They were, they subvert what you might expect they would do with a licensed game like Star Wars. Like they do mm-hmm. some pretty cool stuff kind of under the radar with the story in that game, I thought. Cool. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. I, I've been meaning to, uh, to go back to that at some point, but yeah, no, the some of them just got too tough. I mean, I know there's one in uh, in I, when I was playing X Wing, I uh, just could not get past this one level, and I kept looking up online guides for it and to see how other people handled it. And the the prevailing theory was, oh, you just have to cheat on this level, and then you can play the rest of the game. And I was like, oh, fuck that, I'm not that, doing that. That kind of brings stupid. us full kind of brings us full circle into like older games being designed in a way that. Whether by intent or by just you know not paying attention to the quality mm-hmm. assurance or user experience of a game, it ended up in kind of a shitty, messy st- you know, state. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that pretty much does it. Uh, I did want to ask. Was it actually? I, I said the word in my head, and now it's been lingering, and I have to ask you, like, what about all the id software games? Ever since I mentioned Doom and Quake, have you not touched on those? Are you not into FPSs? Oh, I love FPSs. Okay. I uh, I played I played Doom uh, one and two uh, through this kind of playthrough. Uh, played a little bit of Quake. Well, actually, not a little bit of Quake. I played all of uh, Quake. Oh, that's and, right. And you played the, the episode pack. Oh, it's so good. I I every time I finished even the expansion packs, even though they weren't quite what the the original game was, every time I finished, I was like, Oh God, is that it? Mm-hmm. Oh man. You know, so I'll... I. I I recently yeah, finished uh, Masters of Doom, which is the a book on the basically the, the creation of id Software, how id Software oh, cool. was founded, uh, and it goes all the way through uh, to just past Quake and the beginning of Ion Storm, which was John Romero him him splitting off from id Software and trying mm-hmm. his own company, and Die how spectacularly <laughs> it failed. Um, yeah, <laughs> you should absolutely if you grew up with id Software games or were interested at all in them, like that's. It, it's it kind of leans into uh, what I would call what's the word superficial characterizations of some mm-hmm. of the people. Like it turns um, John Carmack, who's kind of a nerdy guy, into like an 
uber nerd. I feel like mm-hmm. as a way to explain to audiences the kind of person he is in a quick way, like a shorthand huh. way of exaggerating his characteristics. It does things like that, which is annoying. But there are absolutely true stories about, you know, the interrelations between those guys and how they got some of their ideas for Doom and it's oh, fantastic. I have to read it. I, I, I love it software, or at least, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. They're, they're not still around, are they? Is it somebody else who owns uh, the, the license? It barely exists. I mean, I mean, Doom Eternal comes out like next month. Uh, yeah, yeah. More. So that id software technically exists. Virtually nobody that was in the heyday is still mm. around. You know, John gotcha, Carmack gotcha. left just after Rage. Um, John Romero has been gone, of course, since Quake. Um, sure. Those are the two big ones. Tom Hall left during Doom. Um, Adrian Carmack was there till early 2000s, I think, huh. but it, you can pretty much cut it off after Quake, to be honest. Gotcha. Like that's pretty yeah. much the end of, of id software as it were. And, and what little I know about it, that's kind of what I had, I'd read as well is that that, like after that, that was, they kind of went off in their own yeah. directions and it was over, but, oh yeah, no, Doom is one of my, my all time favorite games. I, you know, uh, it, it was actually interesting, really, really fun going back and playing like Castle Wolfenstein, you know, the first, uh, oh, yeah. the first kind of a uh, game of that kind. Uh, I've, uh, I've never played past like the opening couple missions of those earliest. You don't need to, they're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I found out, I'm like, wait, there's three more episodes after this. I, I'm oh, not my God. That. No, no, thank well, you. I, you know, I they were cranking it. out those levels in like multiple per day whenever they were sure. making that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I read that, that it was just, you know, well, and, and it shows, you know, especially mm-hmm. looking back now, like it's just, it's the same. Now, if you love playing that and that's the only game you, you own, you know, as a kid, you know, uh, you remember the days of like, this is your game for the yep. next, you know, six months. Like, then, yeah, yeah you, you'd play through all of that. But at a certain point, no, you don't, you don't need to keep playing unless you want to kill Hitler, which is fun. You yeah. Know, well, he, I would he just calls you a pig dog. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You know, I think he yells at you before he comes out, which I, that was hilarious. <laughs> you know, in Doom 2, there's a secret Wolfenstein-themed map. If you, you can do a oh, map. Oh, it's there. Yeah, you, you can map skip straight to it. Um, oh, I'll have to go back and check that out. I think it's 36. It's E4, 36, I think it is. I can't remember. Um, there's also a Commander Keen that you can kill in there. Like he's. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. I think it's an. I think it's a dig at Tom Hall. Because Tom Hall had created Commander Keen. Oh, and he, he left the company <laughs> mid-Doom or just after Doom. And oh, so it's not so much a nostalgic wink. No, it's like a, <laughs> we hated making up these Keen games is basically what it is. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I've never played the Commander Keen games, but I've read about them. Arrow. Okay. And, and, you know, if they, we didn't have them, we wouldn't have Wolfenstein more than likely. And 100%. No. Them, so. Commander Keen was their bread and butter. That's how they got yeah. off the off the ground, for sure. Um, Yeah, man. Well, thanks for the time. That's all the questions I had. I hope we captured a lot of the ideas uh, behind this list and... If you wouldn't mind sharing that list, yeah, absolutely, cool. it's, it's your choice. Uh, oh, I don't mind. I, it's, I when I when I said personal, I don't mean like oh, no, no one can see this. It's my it's my precious <laughs> list. <laughs> I, I'm happy to post it. I just the last thing I wanted was was to post a post that took up most of a page as you scrolled down. Oh yeah, so, but uh, I can totally on, do that. Put it on like Google Sheets or something, and just like okay. make sure it's just view only when you share the link, and then that's it. Sure. Yeah, I can do that. Absolutely. It'll, it cool. won't reflect anything I've already played. I have a, a habit of just deleting the rows, but it'll show uh, what I got coming up. So, Awesome. All right, man. Well, um, thanks for sharing the time. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening the whole way. Yeah, no problem. See you guys. It's been fun. See you. The Skullcast is a production of Skullnight.net, a Berserk fan community. If you like what you heard, please visit patreon.com slash sknet. 
Donations there do not go towards the podcast, but instead toward our resident translator, Puela, who ensures that our members have access to high-quality, text-based translations of Berserk. Puela has also been translating interviews with Berserk's creator, Kentaro Miura. Many of these interviews have never been translated into English, so it's very exciting to read those. That kind of work simply wouldn't have happened without support from our donors. If you'd like to chip in a buck or two, please know that it all helps. Once again, that's patreon.com sknet. If you have a question or want to comment on the podcast, visit our forum, skullnet.net forum. Near the top, you'll see a section devoted to the podcast. There's always an active thread in there, so go ahead, leave a post, and someone's sure to respond quickly. Thanks for listening.